And welcome back to No Beer Left Behind. I am Brian here in North Texas, drinking with you, and I am joined by the one, the only Frank down in Austin. Frank, how are you? What's up? Doing well, Brian. Awesome, awesome. I see you're rocking your Austin FC jersey. Yes, sir. Looking yep. good. Debuted this last weekend. What well, wasn't the best debut? Actually, I take that back. Possession-wise, very good mm-hmm. against LAFC top team of the past five years in the MLS. And uh, I think we dominated possession. I think it was like four, 58 to 42. Didn't do a lot with it. But, um, you know, holding on to the ball is kind of a big key to, to playing playing decent. So, um, yeah, I th- that was exciting. But first game for these players together, like, literally have never even <laughs> played a single game with them. So, yeah. Or a single game that mattered. So, yeah, it, all in all, pretty impressive. Cool. Uh, we'll see where they go. Uh, is that the Yeti-sponsored uh, jersey? Is yeah, yeah. Nice. That's good. Jedi. This is the official <clears throat> one. It's got the, the real logo. The sewn-in logo, yeah. the sewn-in shield. Yeah. That's nice, uh, you know, because for the longest time, and I think even still, uh, FC Dallas is sponsored by a fucking MLM. So, Which, Mary Kay? Advocare. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> yeah, I remember Advocare for like a minute had a a Premier League team sponsored, and I I think they it either got too expensive or someone was like, you know what that is? <laughs> it's not good. Like I can't. Uh, uh, I I, I yeah. think I think it's because Advocare's headquarters are there in Frisco. Uh, it looks like yeah, they're still maybe. What is MTX? That looks new. Okay, so they got a new sponsor this year. Good, thank Christ. Yeah, the, so the, the Yeti, oh, Advocare is only a sleeve sponsor now for FC Dallas. Hey, I, you know what? Their downlines got a little too thin, so they couldn't the afford. Got, yeah, the court, court cases started <laughs> piling up. Um, no, uh, yeah, it's Advocare and then NetSpend. So it's like, it's legit businesses on, or sorry, Yeti and NetSpend on the Austin side. They'll be around for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not Advocare. Uh, also not Mary Kay, which I guess also isn't based here. That's also a Dallas company. Why yeah. is Dallas the headquarters of MLM? Have you ever been to Dallas? It's uh, a well, lot of keeping I mean, up with the Joneses and lying your way into true. wealth. That's so, true. boom. That's Maverick true. Quantum well, um, is but, is the artificial intelligence platform, MTX. Ooh, okay. That's, no, that's kind of cool. cool. But still have the advocate on the sleeve because once you go down lines and up lines you never yeah. leave diamond <laughs> platinum status i guess I once you're a sponsor we always leave room for you yeah um you know it's funny because if you look at the uh league mx they uh they have sponsors front their both shoulders their back, back bottom <clears throat> up i was like, gonna say where the yeah. nameplate goes they have that yeah. but they also have sponsors below their numbers as well yeah, no, yeah, they, they got they, some of them have them on the shorts. Yeah, like they're running billboards. It's fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's one, uh, I think it's Chivas. Uh, their Tecate sponsorship is 
so up in front. It, there's Takate on their front of their jersey, across their chest, and where their name goes. They're like, we don't need names. Oh, they doubled it up. We don't need sure. names. You just want to know that Takate is our sponsor. Takate, Teca- passing to Takate. Takate, <laughs> going forward. Oh, what a save by Takate. <laughs> <laughs> in the uh, in the last round of the Champions League, uh, Chelsea was playing. Oh, God, who the, who the hell did they play? Uh, uh, anyway, they had a dude who went by Corona and that was his, like, he was, uh, I forget what, what nation he was from, but that was his nickname. And they were like, Corona passes. Oh, that was a bad, a bad save by Corona or a bad cross by Corona. Corona is his nickname. Uh, it was (laughs) like, that to explain that his name is not connected to the coronavirus, I guess is the (laughs) only reason they were bringing it up, which like, no shit. No one, no one is thinking that. Yeah, no one thought a single-celled organism was out on the field yeah. passing things around. <laughs> oh, they should get off the field and get away from him. No, no. Well, um, in all honesty, I watch uh, League MX, 10.30 at night, FS1. Uh, it's better with fans, uh, but the quality of it is far superior to the MLS. Liga MX. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, Their stuff, if you, you know, FS1 is great, but if you have access to Spanish language television like Telemundo or Univision, both of the one or both of them carry uh, Mexican League soccer, and those broadcasts are fucking phenomenal. Oh yeah, they, no. So the other the other day, um, Barca was playing the Copa del Rey final, and if ever. Your team is being broadcast by ESPN. Just mute it. Like, just mute it. <laughs> it'll drive you up the fucking wall. It, it'll drive you up the wall. They have like, a Joe Buck in every sports. <laughs> they they ha- they know nothing about the players. They know even less about the club. Mm-hmm. So it's like these guys are like, oh, look at like Barcelona has become very desperate this year. They're starting young players, and you're like, <laughs> motherfucker. Oscar Mengeza is probably the third best center back in the league so far this year. Like the dude's made very few mistakes. He's like 21 years old. Yeah. He's young, but they're starting the best they have. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, and we're, we're currently winning the league. Like what the fuck are you on about? Well, I was going to say they went on to, to win the Copa del Rey. So yeah, they had to be doing something right. He he shit on all the players. And then we won the Copa del Rey, like five, one. Well, I mean, just, well, the dude, Abysmal. The, the dude in the Champions League, when they were uh, announcing for Chelsea in the first leg of their two-game uh, series, he was like, oh, Aspilicueta, finally getting some playing time under Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> the like, dude's oh, you... been on the field the whole season. <laughs> one of two. What? First point, yes. He has only missed one fucking game, and it was because he broke his hand. He's out there playing in a goddamn yeah. cast, okay? He's been the captain for every game except for two, the one that he missed and the one where Frank Frank Lampard's last game where he made Mason Mount the captain out of like just solidarity and whatever. Uh, but also, Aspilicueta is the most... Frank, I don't know how to say this, but he looks like he has been on the pitch for 90 minutes, five minutes into the game. When he, he is, start, yeah, he, he sweats is, like a fucking is, bullet train. He is a <laughs> sweaty mess. Before he <laughs> yeah. cut his hair, I was like, oh my God, someone give him a towel. Someone give him a drink of water. He's about to die out on the pitch. But 
it's it's just who he is. He's a sweat he's machine. Probably Frank. He's probably just Frank playing soccer. I was going to say I mean, that, I, but I didn't want to expose you in that way. I get that same. No, I get no, that he puts you to he puts Gene. puts you to shame, Frank. <laughs> I mean, like because he has the hair matted to his forehead uh-huh. three minutes into the game, but also he already is an older player. I think he's still younger than us, but he's a, one of the oldest players on the field, and he's like, oh, he's like, oh, take it easy, old man. I don't want you to break your hip. Okay, just fucking let's just calm down. Meanwhile, he's also like four years younger than Tiago Silva, and Tiago Silva's out there like doing back handsprings and shit, and jogging backwards down the entire field, and still outpacing everybody. Aspilicueta is sprinting around, sliding, slide tackling, and then screaming in agony as he gets up. That's just him. That's what he does. What are you drinking tonight? <laughs> well, no, I want to. I want to give a big shout out. Uh, I I always forget how his name is pronounced, but uh, is it Aspilicueta or who? Aspilicueta. Uh, what say that as Pilacueta, as Bellacueta. There's a okay. P in there. It's not a big, but yeah, 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 it's close enough. So he's fun to watch. He's he a is. good player. Um, bigger shout out to Mason Mount. That dude's going to be a beast. Yes. Uh, when it comes to the biggest shout out of the night, though, before we get started, uh, Messi surpassed today with his two goals. He became the top goal scorer in the history of any league. And uh, not any league, sorry, any of the big five. And then um, also became the top goal scorer uh, for La Liga, which he's been for a while. But in if you compared it to the Premier League, you would have to add the top two goal scorers of all time in pre- Premier League history to... Um, get anywhere near him and he'd still be 40 goals short. God damn. Um, and you know, it's, you're going to hear a lot of people say, Oh, it's because Prem is so much better. And da, da, da. if you believe Prem is so much better, it's because you don't watch La Liga. If you watch La Liga, there's a reason people said Sevilla should have been in this super five league. There's a reason, uh, uh, people believe that Atletico Madrid on the invite, you know, you got to include Sevilla. You might even include Villarreal or Valencia. Like, there's a lot of talent. People just don't. I mean, British people don't care to watch it because you, you got to understand some Spanish if you're going to watch it. It's also a different <laughs> fucking game altogether. Like, yeah, it's it's much more finesse. Like, it's not brute. No, I was going to say the Premier League. Like Tiago Silva described it as a wide open league. Because yeah. the pat, there's so many long balls. There's so many like back and forth like crossings that lead to nothing in the end, but in the like will also lead to some ridiculous ass goals from like unheard of distances. And the only people you see doing that in La Liga are Messi, and that's really it. Yeah, but the, but uh, yeah, th- so that's the main difference. And 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 when it comes to watchable football, like. I enjoy the finesse and the structure because when it works, it works against anybody. Mm-hmm. If it, if, if the long balls don't work um, or, or when the long balls work, it's not guaranteed to work every day. Right. Like it's a very inconsistent form. And it, and it, I mean, it proves itself out when you look at champions league records, when you look at Europa league, uh, Prem League teams don't win those tournaments because you can't just rely on over-the-top football the whole time, which is why Pep Guardiola and Man City are winning cups in England consistently. 
they don't rely on over-the-top balls. They rely on the structure that Pep introduced. I'll just also say that Chelsea hasn't been outpassed in a single game this year in Premier League, but it's whatever. It's fine. And no, no, no. You guys are playing that same style. You're you're switching to a consistent style. Like fancy football is fun to watch when it works. My when it doesn't work, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. My favorite stat that I've seen this year was I remember who it was. Uh, we were kicking the shit out of uh, around Christmas time. Uh, the second half stats, like it was probably 15 minutes left in the game. And uh, Chelsea had 736 passes to the other yeah. teams, like 112. <laughs> it was yep. fucking insane. And the rest of the time, rest of the time, the other teams gas because they're trying they're to get the ball, the ball back. Yep. And that's that's Barcelona's philosophy, and it works. Like you can say what you want about it, you can say it's boring. I don't find it boring at all. I mm-hmm. find it extremely impressive. Um, yeah, it's not someone just brooding their way to the goal. But good God, I mean, that you might get one or two goals a game doing that versus this can produce five goals, seven goal onslaughts. Yeah. Um, if the team can't stop it. So in any case, um, I am drinking. So what I did drink, because I want to bring this up. I just can't have too many of these because it's a seven percenter uh, alpha drop uh-huh. by uh, Tux. First time I've had it. Excuse me. Um, fantastic. But. Oh, there's always a but. Sixteen bucks for a six pack. Mm. Look at the can. What's the description on there? The below the name. It is double dry hopped. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, below in the white letters down by. Oh, uh, India Pale Ale, Galaxy, Nelson Sauvin, Cryo Citra, and and Cryo Mosaic. There you go. The Cryo Citra and Cryo Mosaic are extremely expensive, and okay. they produce a flavor that is extremely unique. Uh, so that's that's where you get the price of it because Tufts is actually pretty reasonable. When they're it comes normally to pretty their, decent. Yeah, six packs like eleven, twelve yeah. bucks, and they're double dry hopped uh, hazies. Uh, but that one, yeah, it's gonna be up there because of what hops they're using. But if it's good, I mean, it might be it might be worth it. And it's also not. So, I don't know if they do that all the time or if that is a one off like special release. I don't know, but if you can find it, get it. It's it, it would seem to be a one off special release because it. Is in that uh, DDH special. can, I would think. Yeah, it's a wrapper. I'll, okay. I'll get the wrapper off and let you know. Cool. Um, the other thing I'm having, which I can pound these, is called Ranch Water. Mm-hmm. But I can only drink the grapefruit one. Oh, they have a. Uh, do they have Ranch Water flavor Ranch Water? <laughs> They've well, it's like a agave and lime. Yeah, which R- tastes way too much like a margarita for me. Uh, um, I this think- one's good. I think 4%. ranch water might be one of those uh, that does uh, vodka mixed in with uh, diluted in water and flavors added rather than what uh, breweries, how breweries release seltzer, which, uh, which is basically dose uh, X amount of sugar to be fermented completely out by yeast so that they can market as beer without paying a tax on a higher tax on it. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. Yeah, it is. Uh, 100% agave, so this is tequila. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, as long as it's a neutral-flavored spirit, you can put whatever the hell you mm-hmm. want in there. I, I would imagine they did whatever the cheapest they had available. <laughs> but it's good, and it's 80 calories. So when when we talked on this cast earlier, when Seltzer was about to take off about two years ago, uh, we suggested this, actually. We were like, well, distilleries should just do a Seltzer and mix their 
alcohol into it because it'll taste better. So and yeah. it does taste yeah. better. It's 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 a far more uh, mixed drink flavor than mm-hmm. it is a seltzer like that weird flavor that seltzer water has when they try to do flavors this does not have it if if you would allow me to um i have been doing research to produce my own uh seltzer here at the house so homebrewed seltzer and the flavor that you're talking about is firm is the flavor produced by fermentation and done when fermentation is not uh, uh there's not a healthy fermentation so, so they're like trying to speed it up. Yeah. And that happens uh, a, a really good talk on it. If you want to learn more about uh, seltzer in general and how it's made and kind of some of the flavor descriptors to describe seltzer flavors, because there's very, very few there, but the ones that are there are unique. And you talked about it. Like you could taste the difference between vodka mixed with water and uh, a, a brewed seltzer uh, brewlosophy podcast. Um, a, a lot of homebrewers are familiar with it, but brewlosophy did a, an episode in 2020 uh, about brewing hard seltzers. Really good information there if you want to brew your own hard seltzer. Um, But they also did experiments on basically taking three liters of vodka, pouring it into a five-gallon keg, and then just filling up the rest of the keg with uh, distilled water and then carbonating it, running it through the draft system. And then flavoring it back versus flavoring an entire keg full and the dude was like, yeah, I'm just, I, I, I added some citric acid in there to give it the lime flavor, uh, along with some, um, basically <laughs> lime, lime flavoring. I don't know how, I don't know why I can't think of the word, but the shit that you, the bakers put into, uh, baked goods to give different flavors. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, not it's an acid, but I can't remember what it is. No, I, anyway, I have a whole fucking box of them because I was. I'm <laughs> it's doing just citric acid. No, no, no. Citric acid is a different thing altogether. It does add crispness, um, and it gives the flavor adjacent. It enhances the flavors of these uh, uh, fucking what? I, dude, this is gonna drive me up the fucking wall. Literally have. Is it uh, cream of tartar? No, no, no. It's not not cream of tartar. I, I mean cream of. Tartar does have. I know, I know, I know. Hold on, give me one second. <laughs> baking I almost, powder with something else. No, I almost want to just. Sorry, baking soda with something else. Lock. Um, <laughs> hold up, don't even. Not there yet, not there yet, not there yet, not there yet. Wow, I bought it a long time ago. Extract. Holy fuck, that was a tough one to get through. Uh, Citric extract? No, lime extract. Uh, lime basic. extract. And then oh, is it, is it, but it's still granulated? No, no, it's liquid form. Um, oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, so I bought an entire uh, 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 like six pack from this place called Olive Nation. Uh, they had berry extracts. Uh, okay. There were five, uh, six different berries. There were blueberry, blackberry, cherry, cranberry, raspberry, strawberry, and then I also got peach um, extracts. So, and I've been do- basically what I've been doing this week. <laughs> I'm taking a week vacation, so I've just been day drinking some days. Um, I took <laughs> took soda water, poured it to a glass over ice, mixed it with some vodka, and then doused, try doused these extracts in there to see what they would taste like by the pint because I plan on making my own seltzer. Um, so, But what you need to do, and the reason that we even got into this, uh, when, you can't just throw sugar and yeast into some water and expect it to go off without a hitch. Um, there are things that are lacking in seltzer or the, in uh in just sugar uh, that yeast needs to provide a clean fermentation without putting off these weird off flavors. And one of those things is zinc. Um, also uh, like a shit ton dio. There's, there's a whole bunch of fucking science experiment shit that you have to dump in to help the yeast healthily uh, yeah. reproduce healthily. 
So anyway, been doing a shit ton of research off of that. Thanks to the Brewlosophy podcast, also Basic Brewing Radio. Um, they had an entire two sections or two different podcasts on making hard seltzer at home. And uh, it, it's really, really interesting shit. And what it boils down to is uh, do it however way you want, whether it's dumping a shit ton of vodka in water uh, and then flavoring it or brew a, a neutral, like clean beer uh, using only sugar. It's really interesting shit. I'll get back to you and let you know how that goes um, because right now I'm drinking my first homebrew in three years that I made. Um, yeah, this is the one that was... It's got a story. Three weeks ago? Uh, yeah, I think it's three yeah. weeks, almost, maybe four. I don't know. It fucking it's doesn't three, matter. three and a bit. It was like yeah. a weekend three weeks ago this past weekend. Yeah. So it's like three weeks and five days or whatever. So it is It is the General Beauregard Saison that uh, I made uh, a couple years ago that was really, really good. Um, full disclosure, I bought this kit, or I bought this recipe to be brewed on my new uh, Anvil uh, foundry system, which is an electric brewing setup. D- still don't have that, by the way. It's uh, still back ordered. Uh, fingers crossed. Beginning of May, I'll have it. But uh, I what did you buy the f- from Northern Brewer? Or? No, I bought it from uh, <laughs> HomebrewSupply.com, which it turns out is actually based in Central Texas. Uh, oh, cool. Not not the Austin area, but north, like the Temple area. Um, uh, nice people, very upfront with me when I asked them. I was like, "Hey, I didn't see on your website that it was fucking backordered. I just saw the inventory number that you listed next to the checkout thing, and the inventory was like thirty. And then the first line of your description is this item has been backordered. You shouldn't mm-hmm. put an inventory number on there. But anyway, um, yeah, so I should have that. But this recipe is one that I've brewed before, and I wanted to do this one with Nelson Sauvin hops because I'm a big fan of that hop. Um, and I made, so I made this Saison. Now, um, if you're asking what it tastes like, I will tell you this. Let me just, let me just take a sip here. It smells good. It smells like Nelson. It Sob looks, the color looks right. It tastes like, um, it tastes like I made beer Gatorade. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there's a reason for that. Uh, this beer is 2% alcohol. Oh, <laughs> you can't. Did you not put enough sugar in? Oh, no, I had plenty of sugar. Starting gravity was 1054. Not uh, enough yeast? No, plenty of yeast. However, the yeast that I dumped in my fermenter. <clears throat> so the way I do it, I uh, brew a beer, I chill it. Uh, and then I once I get the, the wort down to the correct temperature, which is probably about 64, 65 degrees, then I'll pitch my yeast. The yeast that I used this time was a Belgian Saison yeast from Y yeast. Used it before. I enjoy it. It's one of what they call a smack pack. So you burst this little activator bubble inside the package. You shake the shit out of it and it expands. You know, like the yeast starts replicating in the package. You open the package in about three hours later, dump it into your wort. <clears throat> You'll have beer soon. What had happened was, oh, and sorry. Once I do that, then I, I, I take a wine thief and I take out a sample of beer or of wort with yeast mixed in and I pour it into a sanitized bottle out and that I set outside my fermenter. I do that for two things, two reasons. One, um, I can take samples off of that and it'll repli- it should replicate what is inside the fermenter. And if I ever have, if I'm bottling a beer, which I wasn't this one, but if you're bottling a beer, you can, um, really fuck with the temperature of that, uh, package of that satellite fermenter and heat it up and see what the final gravity would actually be of the beer. 
so that you don't accidentally package a beer with active yeast with a shit ton of fermentable sugars in it. So I do that to be safe, right? My satellite fermenter came out at 10.06, which is really, really dry, like the perfect dryness, and should have put this beer at like 6.3% alcohol. I was like, hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I cold crashed my carboy, my my fermentation vessel, and then I was transferring over to my keg, which I had cleaned, sanitized. I had gone through and replaced all the beer lines in my kegerator, taken apart all the faucets with a little silicone brush, cleaned out every orifices of these faucets and my kegerator. Got new CO2, got that shit lit up. We're ready to rock and roll. I took a sample of the beer that I'm putting into the keg, and I'm like, cool, let me taste it. And it's hoppy as fuck, but that's normal because with un, like non-carbonated uh, beer typically tastes really sweet and hoppy. And I was like, that's like really sweet. So I <clears throat> took a sample of it and put it in my hydrometer, checked it out. Remember, starting gravity was 1054. The adjusted final gravity was 1038, which is the small beer, basically. Um, and at the point that I found that out, the keg was already full and carbonated. <laughs> oh, no. So <laughs> I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> Did the quick calculation on it. It's like 2.1% alcohol. Um, it is incredibly sweet. It tastes like a non-alcoholic beer, um, which is weird. Yes. Um, but I'm going to be honest. I can drink a shit ton I of mean, this stuff. At two point, <laughs> yeah, at 2.4, it essentially is. It's not... That's going to take a long time to get anybody any sort of drunk. Oh, uh, well. We'll get drunk off this faster than we'll get drunk off Bud Select 55 in oklahoma you know that's true so it's very true yeah actually after you drink bud select 55 call the hotline and ask them why you're not drunk <laughs> we do um, if, you, if you do if you try to get drunk off the beauregard stout be sure to call brian at 3 a.m and ask him what's going on here why am i peeing so much i, I mean yeah. honestly it tastes great it it, it uh, if you've ever had a non-alcoholic hefeweizen very similar characteristics here <laughs> that's good yeah it, it, that's that's a very good beer. I've had it before. So, um, or I had it back when you brewed it. It was very good. And so, to for anybody who's asking, like Brian, what the fuck happened? Did you do something wrong? Yes, a couple things wrong. One, I didn't actually test the gravity of the beer, which is the first time in my five plus years of legitimate home brewing, I didn't. I, I we I had a beer that fermented better outside than it did inside which I still can't really figure out what the fuck happened other than maybe the, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I do know this. When I was pouring the yeast into my wort and aerating it, I noticed the package date of the yeast. The yeast was about four and a half, five months old, which not too bad. If I had read it earlier, I could have produced a, basically a starter, uh, basically made a small beer, poured the yeast into it, let the yeast go to work, and then built it up, built up enough yeast cells to put into uh, my, my full, you know, saison. Yeah. Um, a lot of time. I mean, I, when I got through, usually I have a yeast cake that's about a half inch to a three quarters of an inch thick across the bottom of a, of a six gallon carboy or six gallon water bottle. Um, and this one I had barely enough to fill the little ring around it. Uh, so it, the yeast didn't do its job. 
it it had a high croison. It got a croison up to the top to the neck of the bottle, and even got some on the underside of the airlock. For homebrewers listening, know what I'm talking about. Like, okay, it had all the signs of a beer fermenting. The outside satellite fermenter fermented. Just the beer fucking yeah. quit on me. <sighs> so, I mean, I don't understand a lot of what you said, mm. but for <laughs> for the most part. It seems to be that when you're brewing a recipe, it, it's actually pretty easy to... It's, it's no different than, uh, than making bread over a couple days or over a couple hours. Like, every little step, if you just slightly fuck it up, could have massive consequences. Yeah, but what's go wrong? <laughs> one thing, and then I'll get back to my other question I have for you. Then, uh, so yes, what, you, while you're right, like every step has consequences. Whether you add a, the right amount of uh, flour or the right amount, like if you don't warm up the yeast correctly before you put, you know, rub. You know, yeah, some people don't measure the temp of the water you're when they put to. the yeast in. There's a reason. There, to yeah, because it'll kill the yeast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so while all those things are true, Frank, I, I can explain it to you this way. If you've been making bread at home for the last five years and uh, you haven't changed a single thing except the olive oil that you use to put down on the on the on the wax paper or some shit while you're letting the dough rise and that's the only thing that you've changed and the bread comes out all fucked up. That's essentially what happened in my world to, to take it to the. OK, but when I, when you said that I lost that's you a bit extreme, that's a bit extreme. But hold on. Do you understand? Could it, have, <laughs> could it have been could it have been the ingredients that no. have been different? No. no, because the you don't think the quality is different. No, the 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 main thing is uh, modern modified malts, which is all I was using. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was using Great Western Pale Ale malt, which our buddy Derek knows very well. Is a really good, uh, easy to use two row malt. Okay. Um. So, and the other thing is, in brewing, you measure all those things. So that's why I I got ten fifty four as a starting gravity. That's fine. That's perfect. I was like two numbers low. I was supposed to be at 10.56 or 10.58. And 10.54 was with, well within margin of error, uh, especially on my current setup. So I know that the ingredients were correct, except for the yeast. The yeast it was a little old, a little long in the tooth. But I mean, I've used worse yeast. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in, in the end, there was no reason for it to fuck up other than uh, poor yeast health. And then maybe keeping it too cold, but yeah, I was gonna say you're 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 probably because you're see brewing's tough. So do you do you pre-flour the yeast? <laughs> okay, so that's what I was gonna ask you. Is you said I lost you somewhere? Do you have some questions for me on like maybe where I might have lost you? And then because if you're having the questions, I know that some of our listeners are going, "Cool, Brian, I don't know what the fuck's going on there." I no yeah, idea. no. So my <laughs> like I always assumed right for alcohol, there's only a couple things that could have gone wrong. Your yeast was either dead. Your yeast was either not measured correctly, right? You didn't tear the scale before you threw it in. Um, or the sugar content when you pitched the yeast wasn't high enough. Or the water was too warm and that killed the yeast. So it's a bit different in brewing than it is in baking in that um, yeast you don't uh, if you're using liquid yeast which i was using y yeast liquid yeast uh 
one, it's in a set measurement. So they give you a smack pack and that is typically for a five gallon batch under uh, starting gravity of 1060. If you have over starting gravity of 1060 in a five gallon batch, typically you need to either make a starter or use two packets of yeast. Because when you pitch yeast into a sugar environment uh, or wort um, pre-fermentation, uh, it's basically it's a hostile environment for yeast. It's essentially, mm-hmm. think of it this way. If you are a yeast cell and you walk into a buffet in a casino, you want that buffet lined out for you so you can approach it. If the buffet was just in a big fucking pile and you were thrown into that pile, you would have and a hard time. And on fire, you would have a hard time working, um, which is what happens if you throw one pouch or one one measure of brewer's yeast into a five-gallon batch that's the super high gravity. Now, the other thing to mention is since you're not warming it up, you're not having to do anything with this yeast, you can't really kill it. Um, if it's expanding in the pouch, in the case of Y yeast, you know the yeast is healthy. Downside is um, when you get some of the some like certain strains of yeast, they thrive in unhealthy environments. For example, Whitbeer yeast does really really well. Like Belgian and German Whitbeer yeast, they do really well when they're strained. So if they're way hot, they produce really fun flavors and they will become super like super fermenters. Um, however, uh, like Saison, Belgian Saison yeast is another one that it does better at a higher temperature. And I typically don't ferment at high temperatures because I've had high temperature fermentations and they taste like gasoline. So I try to do uh, temperature controlled fermentation. So, I mean, most likely then it was bad yeast. It is yeast health. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeast health, I, I let it sit for plenty long too. That's the other thing that I have a tendency to do is rip through things quickly. Like I'll see fermentations done, then I'll just package it. In reality, yeah. you need to let fermentation run its course. And that includes at least like a week sitting on no fermentation. The yeast is still at work, even though you're not seeing carbon dioxide being pushed off. So, yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Cause, um, Beer, beer making is actually quite a lot like uh, charcuterie in that you're because charcuterie is just fermenting of meat. Right. And what you're doing is essentially dry pickling it with a bunch of salt and there's some curing agents that you put in. But I like technically, technically it's uh, charcuterie in that case would be more like sour beer making where you have a pellicle that protects the product from oxygen and the pellicle yeah, and then is it just dries out it dries everything yeah 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 so yeah but it's it's fascinating because i've had to throw away a batch not based on the fact that my measurements were wrong but based on the fact that the drying environment didn't extract moisture quick enough right so it's like the the you could have you could have done everything perfect, and then this one new variable comes in because it was a little bit more humid that day, uh, or, or for for a stretch of time than it normally is. Because try right now you shouldn't be trying to dry any meat because it's fucking humid. Middle of the summer actually perfect time. It's dry as a bone. Just don't put it in the heat. You'll be fine. You could probably just hang that shit in your shower in the middle of the summer and it'll dry out because it's so dry. Um, and that's, it's kind of funny cause in that nature, right? Like, yeah, it's not yeast, but it's a variable that it's a living, it's a living organism that's doing Yeah. And work. you're not thinking about every single bit. You're, you're like, it's home brew, it's home curing. It's like, 
fuck <laughs> this well uh, this didn't work at least yours is still drinkable mine had green mold on it i was like fuck yeah you that. gotta throw it's that out trash. <laughs> yeah that'll fuck your world up yeah there yeah, are very yeah. few things that you could do to a homebrew that would actually do harm to you um i there are also experiments people talk about botulism that's grown in uh not properly chilled wort after yeah but boil. botulism is always a threat it's, it's all this shit and it's not a threat it's like, like california cancer you know everything God, that you yeah, put go in take your bo- a shit in the beer and then <laughs> oh it made me puke yeah obviously like that dude botulism when you look at the the cured meat sites they all talk about it and you're like what are you doing like what? What part of this process do you not understand? If you do, if you get botulism to grow in any sort of a salt intensive environment, you are doing something seriously wrong and probably need to go work for the CDC because they probably don't even know how you're doing it. That's the same thing. Um, uh, beer is not a is not a hospitable environment for any growth, really and truly. Like. But either the pH is so fucked up that living things can't grow in a beer environment yeah. or uh, if you get too hoppy of a beer, even the like essential oils and all the shit that are in hops in solution in a beer will fucking kill everything up to and including yeast, which is holy shit, something I didn't think about. So, you know what? I don't know that it is a thing <clears throat> per se. But Belgian brewers are notorious for not using hops at all. Like Le Chouf is one of the few Belgian brewers who do anything hoppy, um, at least that gets out of Belgium. Um, so I'm wondering if the amount of hops that I dosed that goddamn beer with had anything to do with yeast health and yeast vitality in that beer. Because holy shit, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, I put two, I put three ounces of hops in this beer. Uh, and they're all late edition and all pretty high alpha acid. So, wow. Okay. Well, now now I've got to go back and do some research and see if I need to reformulate the. I wonder if I just pre- you know what? Well, I, Brian's going to think about this off air because now I'm going to bore the fuck out of everybody. Uh, but thank you for going with me on the beer talk, Frank. And if you do have questions like that, let me know because while there are some similarities to other. Um, crafts out there just like charcuterie and bread making have very particular things that you have to do such as making sure the water is the right temperature and make sure that you're using the right like grains flour uh to produce the right dough same thing goes for beer and some of the things are very very unique like you know making sure your shit is oxygenated for long enough which you know i gotta fucking do better it um Anything that you're trying to do artisan, artisan homemade, it, it it takes a couple tries to get it. And then even if you know what you're doing, you can still fuck it up. So I, it's not I, it's not something that like I, I've made dry. How many times have I sent you pictures of the meat that I'm drying? Like You send me a lot of I'm, pictures of meat. Parker yeah. does too, but they're different meat. <laughs> they're Very different. different meat. I mean, I, I love curing meat. And giving it like, be careful, people. Be careful people here. No, no. Okay, people me, want me, want you to share their meat with them, and that's the problem. Me, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna switch yeah. switch the tone. So, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to a kind of American hunting, right? Like people go hunt stuff, and they they all get the same stuff out of it, right? Like some steaks, some ground meat, and then regular or jalapeno sausage. And that's sort of it. Sometimes summer sausage, if you have enough meat, um, that stuff's all well and good. Like I, I like a good summer sausage, even though 
it's kind of like hit or miss for me. Yeah. Um, the jalapeno sausages, they're fine. Uh, y'all need to really look at all the stuff you can do with beef. Let me tell you what. You can do all of that shit with venison, and it's better. So I've made dried venison chorizo. I've made dried venison... Well, in South Africa, we have biltong and dried sausage or druvos. Made that stuff. I've made dried venison, uh, 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 Italian sausages, salami, capicola, all that shit. Gabagool. Um, And you could just do it at home. 90% of that stuff doesn't need a fridge. They just need fans running over it. Because if you think about where these recipes came from, ancient Rome, middle of the fucking desert, Africa. It's just keeping the humidity down and making sure that fan air is blowing over it so you can form, to Brian's point earlier, that seal. And once the seal is formed, no bacteria will be coming into that meat. So just leave it hanging. It'll dry. Two, three weeks, you'll have just great fucking charcuterie. For people who are familiar with how kombucha is made, same thing. Kombucha is made by putting sweet tea or sweetened tea and uh, dropping a scoby or a single colony of bacteria uh over it uh, and letting it expand it creates a pellicle blocks all oxygen from penetrating that pellicle and it lets the whatever's underneath it or inside of it go to work so pellicles yeah. are gross to look and at but are fantastic produce fantastic products <laughs> it'll be it'll be better to do that like even, even if you just want to do it with beef like you want to make your own pepperoni salami all that shit it's better to do it the traditional way than what they sell you in the store because the FDA and the USDA have ruined charcuterie in this country. It's not even an exaggeration. Like they have reformatted recipes that everybody else in the world gets. So you go to Spain, you get certain charcuteries, chorizo, whatnot. They sell in the store what you would be making at home here, right? Uh, the USDA, the boar's head shit that you're buying, is an approved process that involves heat. It involves certain curing agents that changes the flavor of what it's supposed to be. Two, um, two things to that. One, uh, for beer, it's like kettle sour versus food or sour or open fermented beer. Um, but the other thing is it's uh, you can replicate it. It's replicatable um, under the environment that the FDA approves of, which I feel like is more to save fucking giant companies uh, the ability to produce this shit in mass but to your point frank it, it does not taste the same at all no but so so I, I i would not doubt that that's the reason it exists but what's sad is that i as a person right can't go to a farmers market and sell a like everywhere else in this world you can go take your homemade charcuterie and you can go sell it at a farmer's market in america they're like no this has to be in an fda usda cleared facility for drying and da 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 so it's it's unfortunate because americans are missing out on a very large sort of uh segment of flavor town and it's it's no bueno <laughs> i'm just telling you like good charcuterie there's nothing like it and you guys Unfortunately, here we miss out on it, and I make it myself at home because I don't care for the boar's head stuff. That's like last minute 
if I need it, I'll go buy it. But ninety percent of the time, I've made it. You can you can find badass places like Ten uh, One Artisanal Cheese and Meat in yeah, up here in Denton. They do their own shit, and they also find from farms nearby who make. And they they meats. they make it in their in their locker kitchen, right? Yeah. Well, they they yeah, they, yeah. They, they they purchase from from local farms that do all the curing there, and then they just sell it directly to Ten One. The same way with all their cheeses, they do some really funky, weird ass cheeses from local farms. Uh, really yeah. good goat's cheese coming out of Flower Mound, Texas, of all places you wouldn't think. Oh, but nice, it's fantastic! You just goat need cheese. the milk. That's yep. it. Just um, need the milk. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, if you've never had the correct charcuterie like there's nothing wrong with what they're selling from boar's head and that stuff's actually it's decent it's just not what it could be claims to be like it's its own version of salami um you know what i think of on a regular basis and this is no joke you remember where you got married frank in that hotel in the dominican republic do you remember in that center in the lobby behind the bar area they had that meat case with that giant fucking ham hock on it yeah, and it was a fucking like ceremonial saber where they could just cut off a piece of hamon. I think about that thing probably once a once a month. I'm not even lying, and just thinking like, so, oh, how good would that be? Just to have a fucking slice uh, of that right now. All right, so let me tell you, come come Christmas time, not this year, because we're gonna be in DR, but next year, Frank is buying his first hamon leg. Oh no! And I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna learn how to cut it. There's going to be plenty for the neighborhood. Please, please um, get a ceremonial carving sword. You need that. Well, yeah, 100%. And then the thing is, the nice thing is, is I've got a vacuum sealer, like an industrial vacuum sealer. And uh, whatever I don't eat, I'm going to be practice slicing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be packaging up and just, just send it I'll up. have hamoni barico for as long mm. as I live, probably. I mean, dude, first off, those things wait. are huge. Fantastic yeah, they investment, are. Frank. Uh, I, I mean, I but I yeah, you think you. about it. That's a, that's a, a good one, like a decent one, not even the best. A, They're fucking thirteen hundred really, bucks, yeah, fourteen hundred bucks. And but I feel like it's, that's it's been a dream of mine, <laughs> dude. Frank, get rid of that kitchen table, okay? Just hear me out. Clear out your dining room. Build a case for it, okay? Because we're gonna need it humidity controlled and everything. But like, we'll put fucking lights on there. It'll look like a goddamn David Blaine like uh, a magic escape trick. But it's just a big ass ham hock in there, and you've got your sword dangling. It's silver, obviously, hundred <laughs> percent silver. <laughs> and it's gonna have your name like engraved in the handle. There's gonna be a a fake diamond on the hilt. It's gonna be. Yeah, I'm just sweet. gonna. Ta- I'm gonna take a sharpie and write Tiffany Company, New yeah, York. Tiffany Co. <laughs> And then <laughs> yeah. you've got a, you've got a, uh, what is up? Uh, the thing that covers your knuckles that make it look like a goddamn pirate. Oh saber. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, fucking, uh, brass knuckles, but reverse. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But make it look like a, you're a fucking Spanish pirate. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, this is a great plan. Um, well, <laughs> your wife's going to fucking hate you. <laughs> I think the case is going to have to fit on the front table here. So mm. we've got an entryway table. The tradition ah. in Spain is that from, Essentially, like our Thanksgiving mm-hmm. through uh, King, uh, the what's Three Kings Day, um, you have this ham hawk available and you put it at your front door and you know how they seal it? Mm-hmm. 
How? Oh no! I I, I just know oh. that they see, that there's a seal on it. I didn't know that there no, was a fucking. No, so they, they seal the meat by there's a fat cap on it. Yeah, and they just keep the fat cap. Oh, and they just, just keep just put it down yeah, like a toupee. As you're cutting it, you just put it down. <laughs> toupee yeah. of fat. I thought it was just covered in saliva. People just <laughs> licking nope. it and just calling it. I mean, done. you do. When you put it. it out on your on your on your front uh, entryway, you do have to put something under it because that thing drips. Dri- oh yeah, sweat. It, it constantly sweats fat. Yeah, oh. but I mean, it, it, in this world, oh, could you think of the pork? Prosciutto, fat that you prosciutto just has oh. nothing. Prosciutto has nothing on it. Like no. not a thing on it. Do you imagine the pork fat that you just get off that? You just fucking season every cast iron skillet in the neighborhood. Oh my god, just thinking about it. I mean, all. Oh. Oh God, I can, I can taste the goodness now. Well, I can't wait for that to happen in Frank's life. Um, I will fully support that, like no other. Excuse me, um, I have switched beers uh, this evening. I have moved from my homebrew on over to um, a sour ale. Um, thanks to our conversation, I, was, I said to myself, I said, I said, I can use a sour beer right now. So I pop this bad boy open. It's from Boulevard Brewing Company in Kansas City, Missouri. It's called Smooth Fuzz. This is a peach sour ale, and I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes in my line of work, I get access to uh, all kinds, all kinds of beer. Um, some beer that's like new, some beer that's experimental, um, some beer that's been aged properly. Uh, this is one of those that's been aged properly. So I didn't realize that until I took my first sip, and like my jaw felt like it was on fire. You know, the back hinge of your jaw that just feels like it's uh, been burned by a hot poker. Yep, that's what I was feeling. And I was like, well, let's see how old this beer is. It's going on two years old, but it's fine. Uh, there's actually no no off flavors with it at all. It's just one of those like pungently sour uh, drinks. Uh, and now that I've... It's a, it's a 750 milliliter corked and caged bottle. So if you heard a pop a little while ago, that was that bottle opening up. And um, I've had my first glass of it, and I've my mouth has adjusted properly to the souring uh, because the second pour is just fucking phenomenal typically i'm not a big fan of peach beers i know you've probably heard me say it on the podcast before uh but uh peach beers typically uh i don't know they kind of fall short for lack of a better term um you taste them and you taste fruit yes but you're never really sure what kind of fruit you're tasting um so some beers uh some brewers back in the day would use apricot flavoring um to basically get more peach flavoring into your mind uh which is kind of wacky and weird um but it works this i don't believe there's any apricot flavoring i don't think there's any other flavoring other than just pure fucking peach juice tart and funky is how they describe it uh they rested the sour beer on whole peaches prior to bottling to infuse juicy stone fruit flavors which mingle and mingle with the mixed fermentation character provided by our house lactobacillus and Britannomyces cultures Fun fact for all you homebrewers who want to uh, grow up dregs or the uh, yeast that is in bottle-conditioned beer, like this Smooth Fuzz from Boulevard, and uh, notoriously uh, from like Russian Rivers sour beers. Um, you know, you'll drink a beer and you'll drink a bottle, and you'll see the the yeast that settled into the bottom. People have been doing this for years and uh, think they're doing something really special and unique. That they're getting, ooh, yeah, we're gonna get that Russian River house culture into my homebrew, brah. Well, fun fact: a lot of breweries um, have been and continue to do uh, is bottle condition with wine yeast. So what they do is they'll filter out a finished fermented beer. 
And then at bottling, when they want to bottle condition a beer, they will actually throw in wine yeast because it is much more shelf-stable and produces the exact right amount of carbonation every single time. So for you home brewers who think, oh, I'm going to say these 19 bottles of all these wild beers from these production breweries, and I'm going to grow up their house culture, you're not. You're just basically brewing up, um, you know, uh, whatever the, uh, the, the easiest to cultivate white wine yeast is. Frank, I see you're now drinking a uh, gigantic brewing beer. Is that what that is? Yeah, I've ever had one. I've had Gigantic before. I've never had one of their dark beers. I've usually only stuck to their IPAs. What did you pour? This is called the Barley Aged Barley Wine. Barley Aged or Barely Aged? No, bar- sorry. Yeah. I read the same word twice. Barrel Aged. But it's, it's okay. Look at this bullshit. What about it? Barrel Aged Barley no, Wine? No, it just, it tricks, it tricks like this tricks me here okay so what he's like, pointing my, out folks my, <laughs> yeah like my eyes my eye you know like how your brain reads ahead so you yeah. talk with it so barrel aged is on one yeah. line and barley wine is two words on another line which by the way barley wine one word um but i, I digress holy uh, shit yeah barrel aged barley wines are fucking my favorite one of my favorite beer styles period because barrel I, think, aging, I think i got it a little bit too cold but oh let it sit Jesus. there then my friend What's the ABV? Like 10 plus? 12? Uh, we're not going to talk about that. What, what, what we're going to talk about here is uh, it's 14. And, there it is. Um, it is the most molasses I've ever tasted. So, fun it's fact. It's a scotch. Bar- scotch barrel barley wine. And I only wanted it because I was originally going to pour some scotch. I was like, eh, mm. probably not. Mm. A little late. Um, wow. This... So- that's one of the, this is worth it. That's one of the things I love so much about barrel aged barley wines is when they first off barley wines are really, really like super malty, whether they're English or American, even American barley wines are pretty malty. Um, but what happens when you barrel age anything, you have oxidation. Oxidation creates that molasses, like that true oh. molasses flavor in beer. And when it's mel- when it's mixed with high alcohol, like 14% is fucking banging. I bet that beer is so goddamn good. It's so it was made in 2020. Is it does it say American or English style barley wine uh, further on the label, or is it just strictly to, just say barley wine? No, it just says barrel aged. Um, I'm trying to find more info on it. Give me just a second. No worries. Uh, so, like I said, I've never had any gigantic beers that weren't IPAs, but I've been in, like you know fairly impressed with uh, gigantic brewing. Their their, lab- their labels don't scream good. Um, <laughs> they they are their labels are stuck in 2014. Yeah, uh, it's really creative, but it's like it's a lot. Um, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, let's see. Let's see if I can find it here. I yeah, I was gonna um, say I was looking through. So some of the uh, it's some, massive. It's called massive. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. So this this one is there's actually multiple of them. I'm not really sure why they only have one listed. Uh, oh, the maple a, syrup barrel aged one uh, gets really high. I have that one as well. It, it this came as one of those Tavour kits. So I got all four of the ones that they released. Mm. I'm drinking the Scotch. No one's even reviewed it, I'm guessing, because no one's an idiot and it 
is drinking it a massive year into it. massive scotch barrel aged it's got <laughs> this one you could probably wait like five years before you drink it but. so it's got 164 <laughs> reviews on untapped which is not a lot for a beer that's been out for over a year for the scotch or for the maple syrup the scotch barrel aged Oh, you found the scotch? I couldn't even yeah. find the scotch. So 14% ABV. It's based off of an English barley wine base, though. So I can taste that. It's incredibly British. Like, inc- So, yeah, they use uh, British Maris Otter pale ale malt. <clears throat> and uh, they also... Oh, I'm guessing they fucking had like a two or three hour boil on this beer. Uh, which is I, I will give, awesome. I will give this an easy four and a half out of five. This has a... A distinct it it struck that same uh, chord with me as uh, Prince of Wales. Mm. Yeah, like, it's just something special about it. it. Just like it, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. Like there's nothing in this I would change. Maybe sugar content a little lower. Can't do it. But again, yeah, <laughs> that's what gives it its 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 high ABV and makes it what it is. So I was gonna I, say if you not had, gonna complain if you had less sugar good. if you had less sugar in it it would it might be undrinkable. That's the downside to like that high of alcohol God, this beer. Is so good, dude. I you know what Scotch Barrel. I haven't. I, I've I've been sorry. I've I've been sticking to a lot of the like daily driver ranch waters you know like yeah something under five percent this is the first beer that i've opened this high in probably six months and oh yeah jesus this is good like <laughs> i'm just glad i i saw it i was like you know let me open this one tonight it's it's sitting in the cellar fucking great move i you know i'm looking back at my untapped history i've not had a scotch barrel aged beer uh, and I don't know why, because it, it's, I mean, well, I know why, honestly, one, I'm, I'm cheap. And two, uh, scotch barrels are really tough to get a hold of, uh, unless yeah, you have a source <laughs> second use bourbon or rum barrels, but it's that scotch in there that makes it so special. You know what? I know I've had a scotch barrel aged beer. So there was a community brewing, uh, a community beer company, which we've been talking about a lot actually in the last couple episodes, community does a Russian Imperial stout every year, um, that they barrel age and they did a, I want to say Johnny Walker barrel aged, uh, Russian Imperial mm. stout. And I remember that being really fucking good. S- Fun fact about Johnny Walker. Okay, ready. Sorry, I'm hearing myself twice. Are you hearing me? I'm hearing you once, buddy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out what I need to do here. I'm not hearing myself twice, which is what was happening at the end of the last episode that we did. So, Okay, give me a second. I'm going to refresh real quick. No worries. I'll talk you through. Uh, so, uh, scotch barrels are fucking so, so uniquely good. Can, they are. Are you, are you back? Yeah, I'm still hearing myself twice. <laughs> so, okay. So, when it comes to this beer specifically, execution's tops. I don't think you're going to find trouble getting it in certain markets because it, it looks like one of those things that would sit. Because, yeah. I mean, look at this label. Yeah. Like, hey, which by the that's way, that's a beer that people are like, what are you doing? Hey, I'm, um, I'm all for putting more goats on bottles. I think that's a agreed. That should be it. So, it, fantastic beer. Um, the the Scotch angle, right? Uh, what I was gonna say about Johnny Walker. Do you know that Johnny Walker does not produce whiskey? Right, they're a blender. 
they're a blendery. Yep. So I don't know. I, I, I knew that. I forgot it. And then I watched some <laughs> documentary about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what they do. And I, I don't know that a lot of people know that. Yeah. Because oh. Johnny Walker was a pharmacist. And all he did was during Prohibition, he would subs- or prescribe people whiskey. And he had his own blend. And that's that's where Johnny Walker came from. So fun fact. There are a lot of really cool documentaries about Johnny Walker out there. Definitely go look. There are a lot of fun ass, like just alcohol uh, documentaries out there that people should really just, just go check out. Uh, yeah, that's why. Now, Johnny- now, now, don't, don't go splurging on Johnny Walker. That no. shit is not worth what they charge. No, 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 no. Well, that's why every year when it comes out or like, uh, the, well, every year when it comes out, you'll see these fucking listicles come out and it'll be like the top producing distilleries in the world and Johnny Walker should never be on those should uh, never. It's but dog shit. <laughs> Jameson. Well, no, I'm just talking about by volume. Jameson and Jack Daniels are always at the top of those lists, uh, for highest production. Uh, oh, distilleries. wow. They put Johnny Walker on that list. Well, I've seen, I've seen some that are like, you know, top whiskeys in, in the world. And you're like by production. You're like, well, hold on. They sell a lot now by dollar sales. Sure. But actually, the top selling whiskey in the world is actually an Indian whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, but that's neither here nor there. Actually, I think it's uh, Jack Daniels number one, and then Indian whiskey number two, or they flip flop either way. But if you if you if there. you have an Indian friend, get them Scotch for Christmas. They yeah. are huge fans of Scotch in India. And like, Indian whiskey is not really whiskey by anyone else's standards, other than India. But that's because yeah. <laughs> no rules, just right. Indian whiskey. Uh, yeah, it's a whole fucking thing. But yeah, uh, so uh, and I'm, I'm I'm talking about listicles right now because uh, a lot of the top breweries by state are coming out because uh, as we talked about a couple episodes ago, the 2020 craft beer uh, uh, review came out stating what the the state of the state of craft beer in America is. So this is the time of year where everybody talks about everybody's already covered Pliny the Younger in February. And now people talk about number one craft beer by state for all 50 states. And it's always fucking prairie for Oklahoma, and we know that's not goddamn true. That's trash. And trash. In, in Texas, I think this year was the first year they, they changed it up, but it's always been Jester King, which Jester King, cool, it's got its place. But it's like there okay. are... Yeah, it that, is a that div- list is meant to send people... To, to breweries, to destination breweries. And it's the same way, like Hillshead Farm or Hill, uh, like Hillshead Farm, Hillstead Farm, Hillstead Farm, Hillstead Farm. Yeah. In uh, uh, fucking one of the New England states, doesn't matter. Like th- these fucking these places have been on these lists every single year, and it sucks. Do you know how many craft I mean, breweries it, are in Oklahoma right on. now? Oh god. So Jester King, right? Great, great facility. If you don't like sour beer, don't go to Jester King. Yeah. Like, it's honestly, they used to have this guest tap wall that is now turned into other sour breweries. And that's cool. But I'm telling you, if you don't like sour beer... You're not going to have a good time. You're wasting your time at Jester King. (laughs) The the pizza spot spot has some beer uh, in their fridge. But... It's a sour brewery. That's what they do. It's what everybody orders. Um, they have a sour IPA that I can drink, but I can drink like two of them. Well, even their non-soured um, beers that are just wild ales or um, like farmhouse ales, 
They're only even their fucking British mild. It's called commercial suicide. It's still it's, sour. It's, well, it's not sour. It's a great beer, but it's really tough to drink. A lot of it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's got that dank flavor to it. Like it's not. It's it's not a sour traditional like Warhead. Uh, yeah, I will call it. Dryer a, I will call out. it a rustic farmhouse flavor. Yes. Uh, yeah. Not not dank because then, then it gets into the IPA bitterness thing. But no, yeah, that's it not is what I want to say. Definitely something different about it. Uh, so to, to so, my, but yeah, so so no, hold on. So if you're making a list, how about you split the list and you say traditional, and you say up and coming, or you know, like it frustrates me that these people are so lazy that they go, here's a top twenty five for Texas. You you could do that off of Untapped. You don't even need to go visit these places, and you could get a really good top twenty five or, or off you of can, other people's work. You can do what. Uh, the people I follow on beer Twitter do, which is reach out to people in those fucking regions who you trust and know and or, you know, know via via the Internet. And you can ask them their opinions of like what your top five and then just fucking go with that, because yeah, by going the same thing you did last year, ain't it. It's not. Cause it. Think think three years ago. Right. We took a chance on Tups based on the fact that I just happen to have a daddy's what? juice box or whatever. We didn't take a chance on Tups. I knew Tups and I liked No, but Tups. you didn't like it before. Right? I did. We get we gave it a new chance based on the fact that I had that one that one beer. I was like, dude, I this is really good and I agree with you Tups is bad, but this one's good. And Tups now is a very good brewery. Yeah. Like that's what these lists are supposed to do. They're not supposed to tell you to go to Jester King. Everybody knows go to Jester King. Like, that's right. not even... Yeah, when you go to the Alchemist Brewery, like, okay, thanks. Really appreciate that, Vermont. I didn't know that fucking... He- oh, is Hetty Topper from there? Yeah. Wow, oh, weird. God. And Hetty Topper, that. let me tell you, that's... It's fine beer. It's fine. It's overrated. Well, it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's just like <laughs> Treehouse, anything that they do, and Trillium, anything they do. Well, and- tri- Trillium... I, I'll give credit to you only because they don't do what Treehouse does. It's accessible. You can actually buy it. I, th- listen, I've had... Tree, well, Treehouse is bullshit. I've had more Treehouse <laughs> beers than I've had Trillium beers. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, Treehouse... No, Treehouse is good. They're both good. But uh, Just nothing, in terms of access, accessibility, you can buy Trillium a lot easier than Treehouse. I, I, can, I can buy Turning Point even better, even easier. It's true. And it's just as good but to me. For a moment in, for a moment in time there... Oh, sure. For a moment in time, it was worth getting the stuff from other half from Treehouse, but now it's not. I mean, like, in my opinion, if you like that kind of stuff, hazy IPAs, if you can get Spindle Tap, fantastic. Um, what was the one that you just mentioned? Turning Point. Turning Point, phenomenal. Uh, the hazy stuff from Tups, great. Austin, uh, we we really only have one, and that's Saint Elmo. The rest of them, I, yeah, they're San still Elmo's, doing San essentially really what Turning <laughs> Point did four years ago. Sorry, what'd you say? I said St. Elmo's really good, though. St. Elmo's fantastic. <laughs> and they do fucking, they, I think they have an Italian lager right now, which is dope as fuck. I'm, I was going to go t- uh, give that a whirl this weekend because they've got a, a f- <laughs> man. So, I, okay, on another topic, I've been vegetarian now for like two weeks and it's. Congratulations. There's, there's, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I just decided to try all the new veggie stuff out there. Right. Some of it looked real good. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, some of it is really fucking good. Um, neither here nor there. We'll talk about it in a second. 
I plan to have a chicken sandwich, hopefully this weekend, if not next weekend, a Nashville hot chicken sandwich from this fucking food trailer at St. Elmo's that is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like mm-hmm. this Nashville hot, mm-hmm. but they put like Korean curry and stuff. It, it's like out of this world. Um, <clears throat> All right. Real uh, good. No beer left behind fan base. We're going to take an over under on whether Frank shits his pants 30 seconds after eating this Nashville hot chicken sandwich. I'm going to say it's going to be about 10 minutes and he's going to be screaming in that porta potty next to the, <laughs> the truck. Bathroom. Yeah. He's uh, he's going to bring a yogurt drink with you just in case and then uh, we'll do. Yeah. We'll do. Just to be sa- maybe I'm I'll order about- some dessert while uh, <laughs> well, maybe my wife will order dessert while I'm getting the check. Yeah. <laughs> no, Frank, I'm not ready to go yet. I think we should try out these caramel balls. Frank's <laughs> 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 about to shit his pants. Sir, you know those are made from scratch. Oh, go oh, tell fair, me more. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. They're better that way. They are better that way. Source your Got cream me cornered. From, where do you source your cream from? It better be local. <laughs> Uh, speaking oh, man, of, that's a good inside joke. But anyways, yeah. uh, no, St. Elmo's legit. But St. Elmo is one of those. They're tiny, and the four packs are 13 14 bucks. So you just got to know that. But you know what? I'll take 13 14 bucks over a fucking $24 four-pack, which Turning Point is notorious for. Anyway, I, I bring up the, the best local or the best uh, brewery by state because I also came across this fun fact um, when they released the – uh, craft breweries by you know per capita, and then the total number of craft breweries by state. Do yeah. you know how many other craft breweries are in the state of Oklahoma besides okay. Prairie? <laughs> okay, so let me <clears throat> let me give a quick. I think it's a lot, but let me tell you why I think it's a lot and why my number is going to be high. Okay, land is phenomenally cheaper in Oklahoma. Yeah, but um, to, to hold on, hold on. Business. Property taxes are cheaper. <laughs> okay. Uh, granted, you do pay business tax, but it's not a perpetual. It's it's a revenue based calc, right? Whereas property taxes do, irrespective in Texas. So, I'm thinking because DFW's north, and because there's a major distribution hub there for a lot of um, alcohol distributors. I'm guessing a lot of them set up in Oklahoma City, and ship. So I'm I'm gonna guess. Maybe, man, for the whole state, there's only what, like let a, me let me provide half, maybe one and maybe, a half or two million people in Oklahoma. Let me provide this number to you. New Mexico has a hundred breweries. Okay, but but Oklahoma's population is what like two million? I don't know. My fucking you you could say fifty million. I'd be like that seems high, but I wouldn't okay, know. I think it's I think it's two million. So, ah uh, man, would you have a brewery per? Per, I'll, I'll, well, okay, I'll give you this. Per Hold capita. On, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going through it with. Uh, I'm going to say 175 because I would find it very difficult to believe <laughs> that they have a brewery per every hundred and oh, per every hundred thousand people. That would mean they'd have 200 breweries. Shit. Two, I'm going to go 200. It's so high. No, is it? Okay. <laughs> so Their per capita. So per hundred thousand adults is 2.4. So 2.4 breweries for every 100,000 adults. So they have 67 craft breweries or 66 other breweries they could have chosen besides Prairie Arts. Oh, my God. My math was way off. Yeah, it was way off. Sorry. But yeah, yeah, um, I was trying to give you a heads up that New Mexico I, I, had 100. I, I thought Oklahoma was New York City, apparently. Yeah. 20 million people. Yeah, not no. Wow. I, did, I, I had the right thought. But then <laughs> I added zeros. Yeah, you got that. It's fucking you, barley wine. You didn't All right. carry. But, but what's, he, what's wild is that Oklahoma has more craft breweries than Mississippi and Alabama combined. 
Um, it has. Well, uh, I mean, it has almost as many are... as Louisiana and Arkansas combined. Really? Yeah. Louisiana has forty-four. As Louisiana. Louisiana has forty-four, uh, and Arkansas has forty-three. So, I mean, you know, what? Where's is Texas sitting at like two hundred? They're three hundred sixty-four. Which okay. I think they've grown. Uh, they're one of the they're one of the but, highest. Okay, so w- when you said for reference, uh, New Mexico has a shit ton. New Mexico, New Mexico only has like six hundred thousand people. New Mexico has a hundred breweries. Period. Like that's the Jesus. But Kansas has sixty three. So like, what's I mean, it's wild as shit. But whatever. I I was off by a factor of about three. Three. Yeah. Um, New Mexico has got two million people. Irrespective, <laughs> that is a shit ton of breweries. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. New Mexico per capita has six point five breweries per hundred thousand people, which is a lot. Um, that puts them up in the likes of fucking mm, Washington State. Almost Washington State has seven point five. Um, Montana. 12.4 breweries for every 100,000 people. Montana, crushing it with breweries, not crushing it with people. You know how many fucking breweries Montana has? I also, wait. The also same as New Mexico. Oklahoma. Yeah. Oklahoma's got 4 million people. Fellas, I am off tonight on the stats. I apologize. Well, it's, I honestly, you're wearing I'll the brush soccer. You, I'll brush up. I'll you're brush wearing up. The Normally kit. I'm not off by factors of like fucking two. It's the kit right. you're wearing. Okay, you're Montana. Usually, Montana has 100 breweries. Right, yeah. Yeah, you're entry not, level entry level kit, entry level stats. Well, um, I was gonna say you don't usually have you don't you usually have a pocket protector on your shirt, and that helps you get true. the right mindset. You dress for the job you have, or want? No, it's got to be your butcher's ass. Hold on, wait a second. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stick my head up a cow's okay. ass. To All right, find tell me, tell state. me about this vegetarian uh, quest that you've been on. Okay, so, so my dad does Ornish for his heart. And uh, Ornish essentially limits you to some ungodly low amount of fat per day. And quite frankly, he's lost a lot of weight doing it. But more importantly, uh, the food he's been eating looks great. So the wife asked if we could do four nights um, a week vegetarian. And I was like, yeah, sure, we can do that. Um, So Frank stared at the old, uh, you know, the recipe book in his brain. And I was like, I don't have a lot of just straight up vegetarian shit. Yeah. So I started kind of thinking about what I would make that could be vegetarian. And uh, like, I, I like making like a Vietnamese kind of Korean beef rice bowl thing with some fermented carrots and cucumbers and really, really good. Uh, in any case, the, the core to that dish is just, mince meat right like Mm -hmm. it's ground beef and they sell these ground crumbles but the ground crumbles there's like four or five different varieties of them um so i was like okay it'd be kind of cool to make these dishes that i know how to make with beef and see how they taste with these crumbles turns out you can cut ground beef out of just about anything if you know how to cook with those crumbles and it tastes fucking amazing uh I know the meat fat has a component of an umami, but because you're using sauces that overwhelm that in any case, like if you're making a Korean beef, you're adding fermented soy, you're adding like all this other shit that just overwhelms that fat anyways. Um, and you can always use MSG and it's fucking and, and, awesome. And I always use MSG. MSG is the key. So I, uh, 
I highly recommend people try this stuff. The, 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 the quality of what is out there in terms of um, meat, they call it meat substitute. It's not really, it's its own thing. Um, you, you would use it as a meat substitute, but it's, it's meat crumbles from Gardein or whatever, you know? Uh, the Morningstar ones are the shit. Uh, in any case, you, you can like, you can make exactly what you're trying to make. The flavor's there, and it's 30 times healthier. I mean, the meat crumbles have like a gram and a half of fat in them. Uh, Calorie-wise, they're way less. You can serve it with rice. You can make little, uh, like the other night I made uh, um, lettuce wraps with them. The shit. Absolutely the shit. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, go look at your meat substitute section in your uh, grocery store. 100%. 100%. Now, it, it is tough if you have like gluten allergies and whatnot. 90% of this stuff has some form of gluten in it. Yeah. Uh, but if you're, if, you, if you're a regular eater and you're finding yourself making uh, hamburger helper with mincemeat or whatever, like anything you're using that you're using red meat for, <clears throat> pork, what, any kind of meat actually, the fucking chicken substitute shit is great. Um, nugs. N-U-G-G-Z online. Don't fuck around. That shit is amazing. You got to be careful. Uh, you'll see it on your site. Instagram all the time. You got to be careful what site you order it from, especially if you're in a weed legal state. Um, Correct. But yeah. I'm telling you, spicy chicken nugs are the absolute shit. And you can order them online and it's totally worth it. They serve it to you. They ship it to you in uh, uh, dry ice packs. You'll never go wrong with them. Like, and they're way healthier for you than chicken nuggets. So, yeah, look at meat substitute. 99% of the shit is you'll, you won't even know the difference. Yeah. You won't know unless you actually, like, if, if you think hard about it, you'll say, oh, there's this slight difference. I was going to say, typically, if it's you're a, just eating it, it's difficult to tell. Typically, it's a texture that gives it away uh, for me. Yeah. But yeah, if you get something that's already crumbled and pre-cooked. So I use, uh, when I do, cause I do, <laughs> I do steaks once a week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love steak. So when I do that, I try to offset what I'm doing with the steak with, uh, the veggies that I'm using, uh, that I'm pairing with it. So I do a cauliflower risotto, uh, vegetable medley. So it's cauliflower risotto, like style rice, um, yep. or riced cauliflower cooked risotto style. And then, uh, okra green beans and asparagus chopped up and mixed in. Oh, and sounds great. It's fucking phenomenal. It gives you that thick, like the thick rice flavoring that you want to go with it. You're not yeah, using yeah. mashed potatoes. Uh, and then I'll either pair that with a nice Caesar salad or I'll go with the veggie based pasta, um, which is Ooh. also really, really good. Um, yeah. Li- li- life hack, right? If you're, if you're going to cook any of these veggie substitute products, Think about unique ways to make them. Mm-hmm. Don't think about what you're making, right? So if you're making, like tonight I made a, a, a falafel burger from a garden. Wife loved it. Why? Well, I made a little tzatziki sauce mm-hmm. homemade with some chives and uh, sour cream. Let that sit in the fridge for a little bit. Instead of uh, uh, ketchup, ketchup, you know, you've yeah. got this little like gyro type deal. Yep that you're eating just be creative. Like don't look at it as I'm trying to substitute meat, 
you know, because you're not going to substitute meat. You're outside of the nugs. The nugs, <laughs> you, you order those. They taste like fucking chicken. I don't even want to hear it. So, um, so what I've done, they are fantastic, Brian. Like, what these I've, things, I always have them in the fridge. Always have some nugs. So what I did uh, early on in my wife and I's marriage, uh, when we had very little money and Mrs. Brian was trying to like trying different diets and everything, try my best to cook for her. So she didn't want red meat. So I've been I, for a longest time. We've used ground turkey in our house. Mm-hmm. Ground turkey is fantastic. I feel like if but I can, got to be quick with it. If, I feel like if I can make ground turkey taste good, I can literally make anything taste good. Yeah. So I try ground, ground turkey is a tricky. Like people are like, oh, I love ground turkey bolognese. You're like, do you? Hey, I made it for that one night when I fell asleep in the backyard because I was so tired from eating turkey bolognese anyway oh yeah uh, slammed. he was hop slammed <laughs> but like uh, so what i've done this year uh because i've started doing more red meat and saying fuck it like i want to eat steaks more often uh is that trying to offset some of those red meat nights with like traditional meatless dishes so mm-hmm. i'll do uh, a, uh basically a thai peanut salad uh with with seared tofu or i'll do like i've done with my um hot and sour soup learned how to make that the same way with like egg drop soup all these things that are traditional like kind of hearty ish all veggie based meals uh that already exist in other countries you don't have to fucking like to your uh, counter to your point like i don't have to think about it too much i'll just take another country's no, recipe no, and no. make that, that but that's what i'm saying is yeah. like once you once you just it, it, there, there's two ways to come to it right it's like i'm gonna try to make something that has meat in it with this meat substitute or mm-hmm fuck it i'm gonna actually go see like there's a lot of indian curries you can make i was gonna say indian meat in it a lot of indian food is vegetarian to begin with yeah um so there's a lot you just have to be careful because a lot of the time what they do instead is they'll use canola or vegetable oil to substitute which if you're watching your fat you get from meat um and you don't need to do that so if it calls for a lot of that stuff use a little bit of it and then you stock Mm-hmm. Um, Which, any kind of beef, beef broth, <laughs> chicken broth will do. It'll it, it'll do the same thing from a creamy perspective. You don't need all that oil. Which, if you're trying to do vegetarian, just watch that. <laughs> but yes. So <laughs> yeah, sure. If, if you're, you're vegetable stri- stock, if you're doing strict, you, do, you need some kind of starchy stock. Yeah. and it'll do corn, the same thing. Hey, cornstarch um, is king when it comes to just fucking getting anything to thicken up. Cornstarch yeah, will work. Cornstarch with mm-hmm. some water. Yep. So. The 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 one thing that I will say, and it'll be the last thing on the cooking, is if you've never made your own Caesar salad dressing, you are missing the fuck out. Um, and quite frankly, uh, if at this point you don't know that Caesar dressing has anchovies in it, I don't know where you've been, but it does. And getting some fresh pickled uh, or olive oil cured anchovies um you you can make probably man I don't, i'm trying to kind of envision maybe like 15 bottles of caesar dressing um from one little thing of anchovies that you buy that that are olive oil um packaged uh packaged yeah and it's just phenomenal like I, I I just always have some now in the fridge. It takes about 20 minutes of your time to make. You get about a half of a, not a mason jar, one of those like gallon mason jars. You get about half of that. Uh, it takes three eggs 
just look it up josh joshua weissman mm-hmm. uh he's down here in austin he's he's a big youtube cooker yep uh that dude has a caesar salad dressing recipe that i make and i have in the fridge and it's just the bomb just be careful because he tells you to add uh salt post salting your garlic as you're chopping it and post adding anchovies do not add salt yeah, i was gonna say anchovies are already super salty yeah yeah don't don't add any additional salt outside of the garlic that, so, I, I, he might like salt i don't like salt as much as that that is a lot of salt you know what i found myself doing uh i started making marinated eggs have you ever done that oh so i do I've done, I've done it no so let me i don't i don't like eggs ah see <laughs> i've done it but i i, do, I don't like this eggs. is brian hates the eggs that i make because I, I do six minute boiled eggs so the yolk is still really runny um and i do that uh you boil eggs then you throw in uh two or half a cup of uh, soy sauce light sodium soy sauce mm-hmm. half a cup of water and then chop up two tablespoons of red bell pepper white onion, green onion, garlic, and chili flakes. Throw that into the soy sauce mix and then throw the, bo- the you know, once you peel the boiled eggs, throw them in there, let them set for like four hours, and they turn this, they take in, they just soak up soy sauce. Holy fuck. So then what you have is but you But it's have, what they put on ramen. Well, yeah, well, it's essentially, yes, but I do it on Korean turkey. So I, I, instead of making Korean beef, I make Korean turkey with essentially sans all those vegetables and add uh, ginger powder, essentially the same marinade with cornstarch and then throw that over the top of the turkey. But you're almost, you're actually almost making Vietnamese chicken at that point. Well, I mean, outside of the brown sugar. Yeah. It's, I was going to say, sugar for that. I, oh, I use brown sugar in, in both the marinade and the uh, sauce that I put on. Oh, the, you're, you're pretty much making Vietnamese chicken. Dude, That's but good it's shit. so good. And then I've do, uh, I've switched over to Jasmine rice because uh, it's fancy yeah, as fuck like that. Uh, well, okay. Now, if you can't get Jasmine, get Mahatma. Okay. Well, I mean, Mahatma that's... is the shit. I, I I I don't like how it now says America's favorite rice because it didn't used to be. Yeah. Used to be Mexican Americans' favorite rice, and now it's like everybody buys it because it's the new slogan. And Mahatma rice, it, it's just it hits different. I don't know. It's so good. It, and I know Parker hates that, <laughs> but it hits different. <laughs> it's so good. It's it's really really good. I like jasmine rice just because it's more fragrant and it just adds a little something extra. It is. Uh, it, it is. But especially it's, when it's, I'm like for it. me when I make it, it's not always like the fragrant portion. Is it goes really well with curries and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're making the uh, <clears throat> the old rice and beans, oh, yeah, it adds a good. little bit of something that you don't want. Yeah, it's it it adds the uh, the glade in a bat in the uh, gas station bathroom. Yeah. You're like, what are you trying to cover up here with this smell? I did I didn't want to say that, but it's like it, it, it is way too fragrant for some rice and beans. Yeah, you want you want some starch with that. You don't want fucking lavender yeah. and starch or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah no, I. Dude, well, now that we've uh, discussed no cooking left behind, uh, no, we call it, we call it uh, no no pan no pan left behind no pan left behind. Um, last last life hack: okay. if you uh, if you really like red meat and you know someone that hunts, uh, get yourself venison. Uh, pay them to give you venison. It is the healthiest meat on earth. There is literally go look. The studies prove it. There is nothing protein to fat. Ratio wise, that is better. Even poultry. You know what I nothing like? Nothing beats nothing beats venison. So go out, 
find yourself a supplier. If you buy it at the store, if you buy it at a butcher, whatever, venison replaces it's as good as meat substitute. Like it's literally that healthy. Uh, you know what I like that's not sold in stores? Fucking duck. Duck, oh, duck is amazing. Is so goddamn good. Yeah. Like when it's cooked correctly, it's fucking amazing. And it's a fine art. Duck, duck is a very fine art to get right. It um, is unless you make it in gumbo, and it's fucking phenomenal. Oh, sure. Like because yeah, you just long just, boiling shit forever. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking good. And like that's something that you can't. I can't go to the store and just buy duck meat. If I could, yeah, I absolutely you could, would. You you could. So so. You can get duck. It's just you have to get it at Whole Foods. A lot of the times it's prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Um, and it, quite frankly, a lot of that has to do with the fact that pecking duck is like a thing. Yeah. And it's it's unfortunate because pork belly, right? Like used to be cheap as shit. Now? Not anymore. Good luck. Yeah, everybody's trying to make bacon out of it. So I, I like the fact that Americans are kind of branching out, but there's some things I wish they would never discover in terms of cooking. Um, and one of them is grinding their own meat. Well, uh, I grind my own meat at the house way cheaper. Vacuum seal it, put it in the freezer. I've been meaning to freezer. talk to you about this. See, you talked this up, and we haven't seen Parker in like three weeks. I think he misunderstood what grinding your own meat mint oh uh, i think yeah, he's, he's been busy i don't think he's got a dick left uh, it's just it's a nub he's just been grinding yeah. on it anyway <laughs> but in any case so it, there there are some things that like like oxtail when we moved here buck 52 bucks a pound good luck finding it for under seven now uh there, and most of its bone is the fact like yeah i was gonna say just, oxtail is not not there's not a lot of meat on that that cut. i just truly hope truly in my hearts of hearts, hope no one ever discovers goat meat more than they already know about goat meat. Because goat meat's already kind of expensive, but I can still do it. If it gets more expensive than what it is now, I've been I've been eyeing uh, in the Wagyu section of Walmart, um, which by the way I had Walmart Wagyu last night, and it was fucking amazing. Um, it's good, it, dude. Good. It's I've been I've been eating it for almost a year now. Just like finding when I find it at a good price or if I'm in the mood, if I'm not buying fucking six nights worth of meals, I'll splurge. But right next to the Wagyu New York strip, there is lamb and there Mm. are like really good cuts of lamb. And there are some that are like vacuum sealed with mint and, and uh, thyme. So before, before you get into buying that, okay. If you think you want to do lamb about two weeks ahead of time. Yeah. Go ahead and make yourself some good mint jelly. Uh, yeah, I've heard. See, that's the thing. I, there's, there's, it's the uh, Berliner Weiss uh, fucking style of uh, syrups that you have to add to a Berliner Weiss to really enjoy the experience. No, you you have to have mint jelly for lamb. It it it's so it's gamey, but it's gamey in a very different way than venison is. So I've had I've had lamb's lamb. its own thing. I've had lamb. I've had. Uh, lamb chops like the actual fucking bone yeah. in whatever the hell delicious I, it was fantastic uh no mint and jelly on it but it was just really good i like i kind of like game meat like that that yeah. has that gamey flavor i feel like i'm doing something that i should be doing and not uh, you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah. is this is right this is how it's supposed to taste but i've always wanted to try and experiment with these other things um i, I you know M- I ch- mint jelly yeah. is worth it i i don't normally 
so I'm I'm normally like a salt pepper mm-hmm. meat. Period. I I don't like seasoning meat. If I'm if I'm gonna smoke it, it's a different story. The maximum I'll add to some pork chops or uh, uh, chicken breast, smoked paprika. Like I like the flavor of meat. Uh, lamb, I enjoy plain. It's very good. Something about the mint jelly makes it just Pop. shoot up. Yeah, it, it, it's it's sort of like when you make Korean beef and you go. Uh, we've been making tacos with taco seasoning. Why have we been doing that? Yeah. Um, because it, it, there's something that you do when you add that soy sauce, brown sugar, kind of umami flavor that doesn't exist in what you've done before. Like right. that's what that lamb mint jelly combination does. It's really it's good. It's like chimichurri to a steak, which is fucking amazing. Uh, also, lately I've been making a mango salad with uh, mangoes, shallots, uh, olive oil, uh, lime juice and cilantro, salt and pepper, mm. and I make mm. that as a as a. I've been making it as a side salad, but the last two weeks I've made it with steak night, and you know enjoy my steak as I as I eat it. Last night I did a full a big ass porterhouse and a big ass wagyu New York New York strip. The porterhouse is now wagyu. I am not made of money, um, but with that cut of meat, there was some leftovers, and I was like, well. I know what I'm going to do with this. Pour the mango salad over the top of it and just fucking... Nom, 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 nom. Oh, it's so fucking so, so, good. So, do you add onions to that mango salad? Shallots only, baby. Only shallots. Okay, only fair shallots. enough. And then, um, do you put... It might sound sacrilege. Do you put a little paprika on it? Uh, no. Oh, I do use chili flakes. Sorry. Uh, okay. So, I use chili I, flakes I would, on it. I would suggest... Either cayenne pepper or a touch of paprika. It just and let it sit. It has to sit for a little bit when you do well, that. And see, that's the thing. But it's you, it's got this like you can't let mangoes and lime juice sit for too long because then it just no 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 no. Like apart. what I'm saying is sit sit in the fridge for ten minutes. It's oh. not we're not talking about like oh yeah here's two hours later we're eating the salad. It's not, you're not making pico de gallo. Just let it sit for like. Okay. five so ten I, minutes in the fridge just so the paprika is not dry. Okay. Um, it's, that makes it, it is really fucking good. Um, well, that's how they do it in the Dominican. It's fucking delicious. Mangoes should be way more readily available, and I and they should be riper when you I buy was gonna, them. That's the exactly what I was going to say. Store. I've been getting some really fibrous fucking mangoes, and it's been pissing me off. I had to buy like eight mangoes to get four mangoes worth of meat out of them. Yeah, mangoes and papaya. Come on now, uh, like, yeah. Talk about the holy grail of tropical fruit, there, dude. And and no, nowhere in America do you find it worth what it should be. Wait, like it's I've those been finding mangoes great. at fifty seven cents a piece at Walmart. Yeah, I've been buying <laughs> fuck out of them. <laughs> Just give those to yeah. me. Go to the valley. You see, those are a buck fifty a piece in the valley. Shit. Dude, well they're also it's probably crazy ready to eat, and I don't have to fucking sit on them like I'm going to goddamn Aldi. Anyway, I'm gonna play this on our way out here. Wait, hold on. I've got one thing real quick. Okay. Before we leave. Go ahead. I want to give two shout outs. Okay. Okay. Uh, I know, I know people hate the Yankees and I do too, but our, our New York Yankees on Reddit has this thing where at the top of their message board every night, when you get there, it says either 
it's what you want or it's not what you want. <laughs> and it depends on the Yankees winning or not oh winning. And it's gold. God. It's absolute gold. Like no one else on Reddit sports does this. And I, for whatever reason, my algorithm thinks I love the Yankees. I've never gone on the fucking forum. <laughs> but in any case, I don't care because it cracks me up every time. Like it's what you want. How many people just don't even click on it? It's like yeah, they're like I know what whatever. <laughs> like it's perfect. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. Like yeah, nailed that. That's funny um, as well. and then also uh, the, the the these are two two Reddit compliments by the way. But okay, uh, on the on the Austin subreddit, the I want to say past at least eight months has. This forum has been nothing but people complaining about buying homes and how expensive Austin is for buying homes. Fair enough. Yeah. It is expensive. Everywhere is expensive at the moment. Like, I got my appraisal in. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we're just doing the full 10% now. But for how long? <laughs> like, when is this stopping? Yeah. So, but luckily I heard my neighbor only went up two percent so i'm gonna use his appraisal Leverage and i'm gonna that send shit. that in i'm gonna be like what the fuck's going on here yep um in any case it uh it it's frustrating that things are expensive i get that yeah but people also need to understand that there is a lot of cash by virtue of people having not done anything for a year that's going through and some people will splurge and do stupid things with the money. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, suppliers are charging more because they have scarcity. They haven't been able to operate factories to their capacity for a year. So as things start getting back to normal, you would expect some of this lumber. Like I, I heard people complain about two by fours being like 140% or 200% what they were last year. Yeah. Yeah. You were sitting at home. They were sitting at home too. Like yeah. lumber mills weren't doing or sawmills weren't doing any work either. So if you're a smart buyer, just wait. Like you're going to see all these complaints. People are like, oh, I'm going to move to Austin in the next three months. And my budget's six hundred to $800,000. I don't care who you are. You're gonna overpay for it. Yeah. It's 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 a certainty. It is a virtual certainty that what you're doing is 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 paying for a house that you're gonna be really not a fan of in five years because there's there's a shortage in the ability to produce things that has been weighted uh, sort of kind of like trickling through this economy, but there's not a shortage of people willing to pay for it. Uh, but also on the pay side, there's not all of a sudden thirty million eight hundred thousand dollar a year or eight hundred thousand uh, uh, dollar a house uh, families out there, right? No. So you kind of have to you've got to think about this. Like you're not hearing about everybody's wages going up, tripling, quadrupling, whatever. So at some point, we're just not going to be able to afford this. And things will come back down to earth. So not a good time to buy a house. If you find reasonable land, maybe it's worth it. But I, I would just hold back. Just chill. People chill. Like, 
if you can't, if you don't own a house yet, just rent. Yeah. Just chill. You, you, there's no emergency here. You're creating an emergency in your own head. Nothing statistically is pointing to hyperinflation where your house is going to sell, kind of save you in terms of going up in value. Uh, and nothing's pointing to, to that end. Uh, and, and all the fear mongering about stimulus checks and the Fed pumping money into the system. I know I said this last time. I want to reiterate to you. It's not true. What the Fed did was an accounting maneuver. It allowed people to have a little bit less in reserves. They bought some additional bonds. They will sell those back to the market. They'll buy fewer in the future. They have maturity dates. They're not pumping stocks. What's pumping stocks is people spreading rumors saying, oh, but the Fed's buying stocks. No, the Fed's not buying stocks. They're just shoring up balance sheets, making sure that corporate bond markets don't implode, making sure that uh, uh, real estate markets are sustainable. And then all these people spreading the narrative um, are, are driving up prices because people are getting scared, thinking I'm never going to be able to afford a house. I'm never going to be able to afford X, Y, Z. No, I mean, dude, okay, Brian, here's a perfect example of this bullshit, okay? okay? You've worked at Auto Lots, mm-hmm. right? Okay, I'm going to give you a scenario, and you're going to tell me uh, the price that this should be bought for. Okay. okay? 2017, Chevy Silverado. Okay? 75,000 miles, good condition, Lone Star. Um, not Lone Star, Texas edition. Yeah. yeah. Um, silver. 75,000 miles, uh, selling it back to the dealer this week. What is the dealer paying for that truck? Brand new, that truck was $38,000. Yeah, I'm betting. No, sorry, sorry. $32,000. I'm betting they're paying less than fucking 10. Okay. They should. I said, okay, so I said, okay, I I know these things are going at a premium. And then I, I, in my mind, always what determines used cars is the lease residual, right? Like, right. what are they assuming the car is going to, because car companies never fail at predicting their own depreciation because they'll just set it by the amount yeah. of money that they <laughs> have on leases, right? So I was like, okay, residual on this is probably 52% at, at the most. Yeah. And that was a year ago. So in my mind, I was like 16, but the used car market's kind of heated. Let me let me say 17. Like, let's just say in the past year, it hasn't lost money because, you know, used car market's going crazy. Yeah. The dude goes, ha! And I was like, ha, as in like, they gave you less and you're laughing at my... No, no. Brian, I'm going to give you one more guess. And I'm going to tell you the number was high. Well, it was a 2017, is, so it's four years old. It's a crew cab, four-door? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crew, crew cab, four-door. 75,000 so, uh, norm, Normal footbed, so 5'7", whatever that bed is. Yeah, not the extended bed. And it, you yeah. said 16, and he laughed at you. If they went over 20, I'm going to shit my pants. Okay, so guess something. 21. 27. 5. Fuck off. Fuck fuck off well that would explain so i like to go through and look at used cars every now and then just because it's impossible to buy a used car right now uh well it's it's not but it's impossible to buy a good used car for under twenty thousand dollars 
I will say yep. that. Uh, I was I, no, no, no. And then when you compare it to the new version, oh, which is negligible, it's like four grand apart. Yep. I was gonna say that the I was gonna say the exact same thing. Now, when you get into luxury cars, it's a whole different beast. Um, but yeah, because those have virtually unlimited miles. But right. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I, for instance, I was looking at an Audi Q5, and you remember back uh, about this time last year when I was telling you about that Q7 diesel and how good of a goddamn deal it is. You can buy a three-year-old Q7 diesel, three-liter turbo, uh, thirty-five grand, something like that. No, 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 it was under thirty. That was it was twenty-nine-five. Dude. Oh, because it was part of that recall. Well, yeah, part of the recall, but it was fucking all services, all service, yeah, yeah. so it didn't matter. Uh, and the recall wasn't. It wasn't a drivetrain or uh, safety. It was some bullshit. But yes, so it was under 30. I struggled to find a Q5, which is the much smaller version. It's like the size of my wife's Kia Sorento. But mm-hmm. Audi, all-wheel drive, not diesel, just a four-liter or a four-cylinder turbo, 29.5. So, and that's a three-year-old Audi now. So when you look at... Ford Explorers, which my sister drives, the new Ford Explorers, which are really nice, all-wheel drive V6, you can't find one under $30,000. You you just can't. I was like, oh, yeah. what the fuck are we doing here? So, so everybody chasing this, it only ends poorly. Like, all of these asset prices are, there's only one thing to blame here. And it's people sitting in their homes for a year just loading up on gobs of cash or telling and that's themselves, cool telling but don't don't stories. participate in it yeah yeah um you you don't need to be chasing these prices we all know that america's ability to afford a lifestyle there's not some there hasn't been some elixir yeah. <laughs> that got spread across this country to where frank all of a sudden's like I'm going Lambo shopping tomorrow because <laughs> I'm not. And there's nothing in Brian's wallet that's going to go, I'm going to go buy a Ferrari tomorrow. Yeah. So just chill the fuck out. Like you people are, are behaving as though there's some scarcity and it's all, it's all fictional. You're competing against each other price wise. It never ends well. Nope. You're, 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 you're creating these, fictitious moments in your brain as though like me not buying a house in the next six months means I'm, I'm failing and the housing prices are only going to go up and da, 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 da. No, chill out, chill out, go rent for another two years and it'll be done. This whole thing will be done. Like, and you'll have a nice, we might be, we might be in a severe recession by then. Like just chill, chill. You don't need to buy. This is the top. This is what the top looks like. This is how FOMO happens. This is what FOMO is. So just chill. Chill. You don't need to be in that situation that you think is your ideal retirement today. No. Chill. Chill. (laughs) It only goes down from here. Might go up a little bit more, but it's never going to go up the way it did over the past six months. Like my house has gone up 30% in literally seven months. That's fucking impossible. Yeah. There's no way that's sustainable. Chill out. It, it just won't go. Well, uh, just like that, there are other things that have to come to an end. One being this podcast episode. Um, I do want to take a moment to also do a Frank style call out at the end of the podcast, which 
I'm going to go ahead and do at this moment to the uh, Italian hospital employee who has uh, not shown up to work since 2005, but has collected a paycheck totaling over $600,000 in the last 15 years. Uh, kudos to you for being the OG work from home employee. Uh, like a janitor? He was, uh, get this, he, uh, let's see, he was hired to do something about emergency management. <laughs> he was the fire emergency operations center. Oh God, Parker, Parker <laughs> has been collecting a check from an Italian hospital for three, 35 some odd years, or whatever. 15, it's a fucking long time. 15, Jesus. 15 years, over $600,000. So to use Salvatore Scumache, his name is Sal Salvatore Scumace. Uh, congratulations, sir. You've, uh, you've won. You've won the laziest man on earth award. And to everyone who let him go unchecked for years, over a decade. Congratulations on being the shittiest employees of all time. For Brian here in North Texas, until next time, I am out. For Frank in far, far south Dallas, uh, if you've ever thought about why giraffes never apologize to each other, take some too long to swallow their pride. 